The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Seahawks quarterback Geno Smith having a great season so far. Part of that is because of his relationship with offensive coordinator Shane Waldron. Pete Carroll talked about why Geno and Shane work so well together, and Russell Wilson also weighed in thereafter. Take a listen. If you notice, Geno's going off the off the wristband, you know, and that's that's a big help. It's 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 smoothed things out, sped things up. Um, clean things up, and, and that's that's part of it too. And, and you know, we we never did that before. Um, there was resistance to that, so we didn't do that before. But it, this, all of those elements together, and then let's go back to the trust word again. When when you know Shane says something to Gino, he's not doubting it. He's just going with it, and so there's a real immediate flow, and that accelerates all the process. Uh, I don't know exactly what he said, but um, but I, I think you know. Won a lot of games there without one on the wrist. Put it, you know, and uh, I didn't know uh, winning or losing mattered if you wore a wristband or not. Um, he's reeling, I, man. Look, he's reeling. Yeah, I mean, you would have maybe won more games if you'd worn a wristband. And the bottom line is, Tom Brady wears a wristband. If Tom Brady can wear a wristband, <laughs> that's that's anybody right. that's can wear a wristband. Thank you. That's right, Mike. That, that is exactly the point. So it's the first thing I think of. Uh, again, it, it's just, it's funny. It's amazing. It's Pete Carroll unleashing really unnecessary information, but doing it because it bashes Russell Wilson and it props up Geno Smith. So I think there is some, you know, brilliance to that. Again, to make your quarterback look like, hey, he's the man. He's selfless. Look what he's doing. He's doing everything we were asking him to do. Uh, it, it's just it's another weird thing again where I had people in Seattle for years kind of, hey, this Russell Wilson isn't what you think and it's not all as good as you think. And, you know, again, you know how it is, Mike. You know people got their agendas and you're like, oh, whatever, whatever. I don't really know if I buy all that. I think you're trying to make excuses for yourself a little bit, right? But, damn, I mean, this year we just got, you know, the offense, the way it looks, it's hard not to watch Seattle. And I've said this on my podcast a few times because, you know, the guys read my notes and what I write where I just go, it's hard not to think it's not Russell Wilson that was the issue in Seattle. Not with the way the offense looks and the plays I'm seeing, right? And maybe this was part of it. You know, again, the, the wristband allows you to make – 
maybe a longer play call with more information in it and then maybe have the two long plays together, right? So it's not an in, insult, uh, insult of intelligence there, right? That, you said it right. Brady's been wearing a wristman his whole career. Yeah, I don't care how smart you are. You're not going to remember some of those plays in New England. I mean, they go on forever, and then you got to check it with another play that goes on forever. So the days of like, oh, I'm Joe Montana or some quarterback in 1982, and we remembered the whole playbook. Yeah, the playbooks aren't the same anymore. So you got to have that. There's just more personnel, formations, personnel settings. Everything there is different. So it helps your offense. And obviously, Pete was a little bothered that Russ wouldn't do that to help the offense. And I don't think this is a problem as much as it's a symptom of the deeper problem. What we hear all the time about Russell Wilson putting appearances over substance, worrying about how things will look. How will it look if I'm wearing a wristband? Yeah. Not how can it how can it help me right. to actually wear a wristband? Chris, it reminds me of what your guy Kyle dealt with in Washington once upon a time. There were stories about this. Donovan McNabb didn't want to wear a wristband. Refused to wear a wristband. Why? Because he didn't like how it made him look. Again, Tom Brady's worn one for 20 freaking years. How does it make you look? It makes you look like somebody who's taking full advantage of all resources at your disposal to be the most effective quarterback that you can be. That's right. It doesn't make you look stupid. Right. It makes you look smart. Yes. Refusing to wear it makes you look stupid. And it saves time. That's the other thing, too. When you have long play calls, right, that might be intricate. Or it's like it's two plays for one, right, Mike, where you've heard me say, hey, West right slot, 72Z, bingo, you split. Cannon with 50. 58 Lexus, right? All of that stuff. Now the coach doesn't have to say that. So he can save five seconds and go uh, 82, play 82. And then there it is. And then, oh, wait, there's Tom Brady. He looks at it. So it's a great I, point. You know, it's a great point. If that, you're going to have this gobbledygook for play calls and try to make this game, which is fairly simple in a rocket science, which coaches try to do, yeah. you're right. All you got to say is number 28. Exactly. Number 28. And I think that's also probably part of the reason we've seen see uh, the Denver Broncos be late to the break the huddle and do stuff like that. Again, it's it's, I don't know if it's necessarily as much Nathaniel Hackett as, you know, I think he's taking some bullets for this guy right now in this decision a little. And then, and then on top of that, just with Pete, the biggest thing Pete said to me, the wristband, all that, that's eye popping. Cause obviously they wanted to do it, but the fact that, we're getting more evidence. Oh, but but the conversations, right? And how he talked about it. Gino, hey, talk about it. He's not doubting it. He's just going with it. That was a big quote for me. Not doubting it. That tells you that when they wanted to put in certain things in the offense or certain plays, there was pushback from Russell Wilson. And he doubted it and didn't want it and wanted to keep it simple for himself. And again, by all due accounts, it looks that way in Denver as well. It does. I know that Daniel Hackett's offense has more plays than they've delivered this year. That's I know that for sure. But I think they've had to dumb it down and scale it back because Russell Wilson doesn't want it. And then there's, you know, doesn't want to throw the ball down the middle of the field. Ru- watching the rush. I mean, it's just not good. And I think we're getting some, some pieces of evidence here to why it hasn't sometimes looked good for Russell Wilson. What's amazing to me is that when we consider all of these various factors, these things that we're learning, that Russell lacked the self-awareness to understand that if he went somewhere else, it was going to be exposed. Did he not know? Did he not realize that all of these things the Seahawks were doing were aimed at making him the best quarterback he could be, 
despite his best efforts to not be the best quarterback he could be. And if he went somewhere else, he's going to be operating on a high wire in windy conditions with no net. And he may not be able to keep his balance. And that's exactly what we've seen with the Broncos. Yeah, no. You know, Mike, you've heard me say the phrase sometimes. Sometimes you don't know what you don't know, right? And I think that's one of those where it's like, I don't think you know what Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen have on their plate as far as plays are concerned. You know, there's that. And then I do blame, I will say, I think the culture in which he was brought up in made him like that too. You know, when he did start out in the league, how did they play, Mike? It was basic. It was defense, run the ball. Hey, Russell, be conservative, you know, and, you know, every now and then a tactical shot downfield. If you don't like what you see, hey, you're a great athlete, run, go get a first down, but don't throw the ball into a tight window. We get a great defense in a run game. So he grew up in that environment, and that's his comfort zone. And But now, yeah, you don't have the Legion of Boom and Marshawn Lynch. And you said you wanted it to be all about you and the offense go through you. Well, that takes a lot more plays, diversity, a wristband on your wrist. I mean, Josh Allen wears a wristband on his wrist. He's in the huddle doing that. We saw Aaron Rodgers do it earlier this year. So uh, I don't get that. But, yeah, I think, Mike, you make the good point I'm just – it, it, I think it's about the overall perception or a look or something that's more concerning to Russell Wilson than maybe sometimes the results of what's actually going on. And we've always known he's been that way. This yeah. isn't some yeah. new development, that it is form over substance, that it is all about what people think and how people respond. There have been articles written about it. There was a long article in Sports Illustrated nearly a decade ago about how it's all this very carefully manicured and cultivated image and facade for Russell Wilson. And just yesterday as well, he acts like he didn't know what Pete Carroll said. Then it's clear he knows what, what Pete Carroll said. Yeah, <laughs> I don't really know what he said. But we won a lot of games with me not wearing a wristband. Well, then you know what he said. <laughs> I mean, you know what he said. <laughs> you, know, I mean, uh, you didn't guess right. I don't really know what he said, but maybe it had something to do with the fact that I don't wear a wristband. I mean, come on. Come on. I know. So uh, we, we've kind of forgotten about the Broncos because they didn't play last week, so we didn't get to see them flop around in the deck of the boat like a fish. Yeah. But we may see it this week against the Tennessee Titans. And I doubt that we'll see Russell Wilson showing up all of a sudden out of the blue wearing a wristband. Let's go ahead and take a break. We're actually ahead. Whoa. I always feel like something's wrong when we're ahead, but we will make it up. We will find a way to burn off the extra minutes. We're going to preview week 10 with a grab bag when PFT Live, presented by Google Pixel, continues right after this. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Here's the deal, man. None of us are promised a good job. I may be terrible at this. And after eight games, I'll say, God bless you. I am no good. I may be really good at it. I got no idea. But I dang sure ain't going to back down. I can tell you that. I mean, listen, if life ain't an adventure, it ain't for nothing. You know, it, it, it ain't for me. I'm ready to go do this. I, I take a challenge head on. And I know. And it, listen, everybody can say whatever they want. And I, I appreciate that. But from my perspective, when I was asked, you know, they said, hey, we're following every rule. At the end of the season, you aren't promised anything. Perfect. Let, let's go with that and, and, and 
I'll move forward. I have no fear if I'm no good. And Mr. Ernst looks at me and goes, hey, we appreciate you. Thanks for stepping in. Man, job well done. I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity. There's a lot that was said there. And you know what? The one thing that really caught me, when he says, when he makes a point of saying, they told us we're following every rule, you have nothing guaranteed at the end of the season. I think they're going to keep him. I think this is just the beginning. This isn't eight games. I And I think no matter what he does, Jim Mercer is going to find a way to spin it into a positive. Well, how could we have expected him to win any games? He got thrust into a situation where the odds were stacked against him. It would have been Herculean for him to win two games. This is my coach. You can't make me hire anybody else. You can't make me do anything that I don't want to do. This is my coach. I really do think they're going to try to pull this thing off where he's the coach after this year. That's the one big takeaway I have from that. Beyond all the bluster and the bravado, which just underscores the fact that he's been given an opportunity he doesn't deserve. There's nothing wrong with taking the opportunity, but he's done nothing to truly earn that opportunity. There are plenty of people out there who have earned the opportunity, not him. But I think in that one little moment, Chris, it just it's, it's something inside me, pasta and meatballs, he's going to be the coach next year. I, I don't doubt that that's what like Jim Mercer wants, you know, but it, it's easy to say that right now. Let, let's see how this experiment goes. That That's, you know, again... I'm I'm rooting for him, like but like you said, this is uncharted territory. And could I sit here and also go, well, I could see this ended up, you know, being a disaster. All right, well, yeah, I I, I can in some ways. So if it does go that way, I'd have a hard time thinking Jim Mercer could, you know, put a band aid or figure that one out how to spin that as far as you know how it looks. So that's what'll be interesting to watch this week. I think is just. You know, again, how he manages the game and how he handles himself on the sideline and just the overall look of the team. Not that I expect them to look special, but, you know, just not look like a disaster is is at least a start here, I think, for the situation they're in. Well, all this stuff is happening in real time as they're getting ready to play the Raiders. This wasn't a bye week move where you actually have time for this to digest and the changes to be made. This is all happening on the fly. The I think it's entirely possible, and I tweeted this last night. It's possible to be rooting for Jeff Saturday to succeed, but also believe that the process that resulted in him being hired is an affront to all the qualified coaches out there, the people who actually have been working the job. And I said yesterday, and I wrote about this, he rejected the opportunity twice to be the offensive line coach, and that at least would have made it easier for him and for the Colts to make this move now. It's possible to compartmentalize the two. The only problem is this. If he does succeed... You're going to have other owners who get ideas to do similar things that will be an affront to the people who have actually earned the jobs. So, hey, at the end of the day, and this this just underscores the simple fact, Chris, at the end of the day, the person who owns the team can do whatever the hell he or she wants. And there isn't a damn thing anyone can do about it other than say we disagree. There's no veto power. There's nothing you can do unless you're willing as fans to not go to the games, not watch the games. But if you're a true fan and you've been engaged with this team for decades, you're not going to turn your back on it just because you think the owner did something that you know crosses the line from outside the box to bat crap crazy or bat poop crazy. No, I mean, gosh, if anything, it, we're, we're going to tune into this game and look more closely this week, honestly. I mean, I'm more interested in it now than I was before all this happened. But obviously, Ursay, just from the comments we heard, 
There's something he's just sick of with the normal NFL coach right now. I don't know what that is or what did that to him, but just from the comments he made in that press conference Monday night, it seemed like, yeah, he was sick of the, I don't know what it is, the normal spiel coaches give. They're or, all afraid. Right. They're all afraid. That, that They're afraid was, of analytics. I that, mean, it didn't make any sense. It didn't really make any sense. No, it did not. I can't say that it did, but... Uh, I don't know. Obviously, he wasn't a fan of some of the answers he was getting from his last coach. I, I, I really, I really do hope that at the end of the season, and he, when he starts trying to get some of these other coaches that he declared are all afraid to interview for the job, they all tell him, "No, we're not. We're not. We know you're hiring Saturday. We're not going to waste our time, and we're not going to embarrass ourselves by interviewing for a job when we already know who you're going to hire. We're just not going to do it. I hope that happens. He's going to have a hell of a time complying with the Rooney Rule then if none of the minority candidates will sit for the job. And that's happened before. That's how Matt Millen got in trouble. Everybody knew he was hiring Steve Mariucci back in 2003 after Mariucci got fired late by the 49ers. Millen fired Marty Morningweg, and everybody knew he was hiring Mariucci, and nobody would sit for an interview. I hope that happens. And, of course, the NFL will find a way to throw him a lifeline, but I hope that's what happens when the season ends. All right, week 10. Colts still are 3-5-1, and one, better record than the Raiders. Fill in the blank. I'll consider Jeff Saturday's head coaching debut a success if the Colts what? They are six-point underdogs. Uh, I mean, really, I, I look at it if the Colts just avoid major disaster. I mean, that's really kind of how I look at it. I mean, I'm I'm not going to pick them to win the football game. I'm not. I'm going to be totally transparent about that. I can't after this week. But you know, if it's just not like a total 35 nothing, 42 nothing type of game, I mean, and he doesn't mess up situations, and it looks like the process is somewhat normal watching the game on TV, then I think it's somewhat of a success. You know, as long as it's not a blowout, and like I said, he's making doesn't make some huge blunder. I think that's at least a start. I don't. My expectations aren't real high here with this. Yeah, mine aren't either. And look, we're going to be watching very carefully. Does Saturday look the part? Is he going to have the same issues Nathaniel Hackett had getting plays in? On game day, there isn't much the head coach ultimately has to do, but you've got to do it in a way that inspires confidence to everyone around. You've got to make quick decisions. You've got to have systems in place. And look, Ursay was upset with the idea that, you know, the whole thing's broken. It's all these NFL coaches that are afraid of their own shadow. Well, you still got a coaching staff that was part of this. And, Chris, there was a report yesterday that Scott Milanovich, the quarterback's coach, declined the play calling. That's what I had said, right? Opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I so said yesterday we, we don't, morning. We don't, right. we don't know how these guys are on the coaching staff dealing with this, and is there kind of a soft mutiny? Is there resistance? Is there reluctance? Is Saturday able to get them all on the same page? It's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take everything that he has from a personality standpoint to hold this together. But, you know, if it just looks like – if he looks like an NFL coach, if he acts like, moves like, if everything looks normal – then, then you know, you pass the eyeball test, and if the team functions in a normal way, if you don't have multiple delay of game penalties, if you don't have, you know, just a bunch yeah, of stuff. Exactly. Like, we don't. Right. You know, what's what the hell is that? You know, right. to, to eliminate the mental mistakes, process then, management then errors. That, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Also, one other thing, and we've we've managed to blow any extra time we had compiled, but. Something Ursay said to The Athletic that I noticed yesterday on Matt Ryan, he, he insisted that Matt Ryan has not been benched for the rest of the season, even though that's exactly what Frank Reich said. Ursay has suggested that Ryan could be back 
at some point. Now, again, I don't know whether this is just going him going above and beyond to reduce any impression that they're tanking, but that really struck me. The idea that the boss says maybe Matt Ryan's going to be back this year. I don't think it's going to happen, but I was surprised he said it, Chris. I, of course, I guess nothing should yeah, I, surprise I was me. Say, why are you surprised anything has come out yeah, of there? Right, right. Never so. mind. <laughs> I know. I know. And that's one, too, where, I mean, Matt Ryan, he he might be looking at that like, what? You want me to play? Um, no, thanks. Thank you very much. Uh, you can keep Sam, Sam Ellinger in there. Thank you. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure he's. I doubt he's chomping at the bit to get back out there right now and and be a part of this formula. Six and three Seahawks at the four and five Buccaneers at not really at it's a home game for the Buccaneers, but they're playing in Munich, Germany buy or sell. The Buccaneers will turn things around in the second half of the season, starting with this game against Seattle. We're not really asking you to pick the Bucks to win. We defer that to our Mega Picks podcast. But no. buy or sell, this is where the Bucks turn it around. Well, like uh, so what what's like I'll ask you, what's our what's our vision of turning it around? Like what what is what classifies that as turning it around? You know, again, that get back on just a winning record are we talking about, or do we think that turning around is going to result in like some run here down the stretch where well, all of a sudden they win, you know, eight out of the last nine? I mean, they're tied for first place and technically in first place in the NFC. Side. Yes, right. And turning it around means, you know, all the things that have been going wrong starting to go right. Running game reactivated offensive line a little better defense a little better just the things that have played them so far going away and I I just see this as Tom Brady entering the stretch run of his career ultra focused ultra determined and Chris you know what benefits the Bucks this week it's going to be a Super Bowl atmosphere in Germany and it's going to be a big deal and you're going to have some guys that walk into that arena and they're going to be like holy crap not Brady, not Brady, and he's gonna. He, he, Brady's not gonna be overwhelmed by the moment, and I think this just this sets up perfectly for them to really. Last week they beat the Rams, so that's kind of the glimmer. This really sets up for them to, if they're ever gonna do it. And we've been saying that about them and the Packers. If they're ever gonna do it, they're gonna do it now. But if they're ever gonna find their groove and really put together a story that becomes the exact opposite of the mess the first half of the season was, this is it, this opportunity in Germany. Yeah. So, well, I, I'll buy it. I'll buy it. Yeah, I'm okay. rooting for a good story. I'm rooting for the Bucks to turn it around. They bottomed out, and now the process of digging out makes it for a potentially great story. I'm, I'm buying it, too. I am. I, I'm not buying it into the fact where I think they're going to go on some like magical run here, and then we're going to get done with the year and be like, oh, man, they ended up 12-5 and five or 11-6. and six. Like no, That's not happening. Every game's going to be a struggle for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Nothing's going to be easy, but I think that, you know, to your point, they're going to come out on top more than they will, you know, come out on the other side. The defense is healthy. You know, we saw last week. I mean, you take away literally just basically two pass plays from Matthew Stafford in that game. There's two deep ball pass plays in the game. After that, they could not do anything. I mean, there was nothing. So Vita Vea, Akeem Hicks, him being back, you know, Murphy Bunding, Carlton Davis being back, Antoine Winfield's healthy, you know, and I think the offense being just good enough to where, yeah, Mike, I think they're going to turn it around too here to a degree, but I don't think they're going to turn into like an NFC powerhouse. I don't see that. But, but Chris, all I got to do is win that division. They'll be the four seed at worst, the four seed. 
And once you go to the playoffs, the records get thrown out the window. The only, the only way the records are relevant is teams that had really good records may feel extra pressure. Buccaneers go into this saying, hey, here we go. And uh, Tom Brady versus Kirk Cousins, Tom Brady versus Jimmy Garoppolo, Tom Brady versus Geno Smith, which we'll see on Sunday. You put that in a single elimination round. When Brady's got 47 of those games that he's played over the last 20 years, I know you're, right. you're you're holding on to dreams though. You're holding on. You're right. you're talking about a guy Let's that's see. playing really average football at quarterback. I mean, All really right. average. All right. It's just okay. it's, we. I mean, you saw him shit down his leg in the game last year. You saw him do it the year before that. And children Bay. are watching this. Yeah. Show. Well, welcome to the NFL, kids. Here we go. It's grown up <laughs> talk here. So uh, you're holding on to pipe dreams, but but I understand your point. Nobody's in a leg seeing them coming to town. <laughs> we know of one child's. Specifically, who's watching the show today? Good morning, Mikey. You get another word in your vocabulary. Although, if you've been hanging around him, he probably already knows it. Cowboys at the Packers. On a scale of 1 to 10, confidence in Aaron Rodgers bouncing back from his three-interception performance in Week 9's loss to the line. Gosh, it's another one where I want to go like, you know, what what is, what's the bounce back? But, okay, I'm going to like, my confidence there is like six. I mean, we're not, again, I, I think we're seeing what we're seeing. They made a few more plays last week against Detroit. whoop de doo They made a few plays against the worst defense we've seen in football over the last five years. I mean, great. And they resulted into nine points. There's still the same issues with him. I mean, it's, it's the offense is not aggressive. He's not aggressive, period. You know? There's still a number of throws, and you look at it that game last week where you go, I don't know what he's looking at. He's looking at the rush. He's not looking downfield, or he's worried about his completion percentage. That's it. People are open. And then, you know, these throws right here, they're horrible. I mean, that, that's a horrible throw. Bakhtiari was going to have to dive back to catch that ball. This one, this is Rodgers' problem here. He, the guy was open. He just can't pull the trigger. He, can't, he was three seconds late throwing the ball. So, I mean, bounce back to the point where he won't throw an interception because he's going to throw every ball the most conservative throw in the history of football this game. And so it won't be his fault. That's what I expect. So, you know, I'm going to give it a six just because of no turnovers. But lack of big plays, certainly going to be that too. That's, they're annoying. I was on radio somewhere yesterday, and I was asked this question. I hadn't thought of it yeah. before. That's why I like doing these because it, it it's just it's like the conversation we have. You talk it through, you get ideas. I was asked, at what point will they bench Rodgers for Jordan Love? Because at what point do you basically throw in the towel and say we're done this year? We got to start treating the rest of these games as preseason for next year and let's get Jordan Love some reps let's get him to the point where the game slows down and they would never bench Aaron Rodgers but what they would do potentially is just put him on injured reserve with a thumb the thumb's still an issue he didn't practice yesterday because of the thumb he said he tried to practice some last Wednesday throw it some and it just hurt too much so that thumb continues they got four games they got Cowboys Titans at home, then on the road against the Eagles and the Bears, then their bye week, and then four games after that. If they're done, if they lose these next four, and I'm not saying they're going to lose four in a row, but they've lost five in a row. No, they can easily lose these next three. I I wouldn't be stunned if they put them on injured reserve, and and that's how it, it ends, with a whimper. 
where he's just on injured reserve because of his thumb. Because, you know, think about it. Is he going to want to, if they are done, if they're eliminated or pretty damn close to it, see, this is the benefit of having seven spots in the playoffs. It takes each team longer to be mathematically eliminated. So you're alive deeper into the season. You throw in extra games, too, and you've got another opportunity to get back into it. But I'm looking at Week 16 at Miami, Christmas Day, one of the three games to be played, standalone, TV audience, captive, sitting at home, drinking eggnog laced with ayahuasca. Is he going to want to be part of that if it really is a complete and total mess by then? Is that is that, is that his, like, this is my last game that anybody's going to watch? Or is his attitude going to be, I don't want to be part of this? I, I don't know. I don't know. But these are all things that, I think are at least relevant to start thinking about if this continues. If they if they lose Sunday and Thursday, four days apart. If they, if three and six becomes three and eight, and they can't win at home against the Cowboys or the Titans, I, all all bets are off at that point, Chris. Uh, maybe you're right. You're maybe you know. I, I I don't I don't doubt it. I don't you know. I don't think I'd let them off the hook if I'm Green Bay. I'd make them play and go, you're making $50 million, and you played not good this year. You're, you're playing. You're going to stick this out and deal with the ugliness just like the rest of us. Welcome, right? Uh, Here's a shovel. That's what I would do. I mean, I, I would. I wouldn't let them off the hook, but we'll see where it goes. But, yeah, it just it, Rashawn Gary hurt. Dobbs hurt. I mean, oh, and it's the Dallas Cowboys coming to town with Mike McCarthy. With two weeks to get ready. Right, and Mike McCarthy, you don't think he wants to shove it up the Green Bay Packers fan base and everybody right there, right? So there's there's a lot of motivation on Dallas' side. Um, yeah, it, it's ugly in Green Bay. It really is. You know, their defense still good. It's going to be tough moving the ball on them, and it's good. But the offense, it is what it is right now, and he's having, I, I think, really the worst year of his career. I don't think there's any doubt about that. It really is a shame that it's happening this way. And early on, it was Brady that was the one that was looking like Willie Mays, who stayed too long. Now it's Rodgers, who is looking like those throws from the Lions game. That, yeah. that, that's that's the kind of thing. And that's got to drive him crazy because that's not what we've seen from him. And it right. eats into those great statistical achievements that become the thing he can point to and say, I may not have the championships, but look at this. I've got this ratio. I've got this stat. I've got that. He's undermining those. And that's what he was trying to avoid we thought based upon his reluctance to throw the ball into tight windows but my god it just has been uh, it's been something and we'll see if that something ends this weekend our game sunday night football five and three chargers at the four and four 49ers the 49ers coming off of their bye week here's the question with debo samuel coming back off of the bye the 49ers offense with christian mccaffrey will what look awesome that's what that's what it will look awesome. Uh, I, I just think, first off, Shanahan had time before the bye to start playing with this formula. Now we had a few little extra time. I mean, a little extra time here, let alone it's a team that I think is healthy now or as close to as healthy as it's going to be all year long, right? So uh, we saw the, you know, the unveiling of McCaffrey 
with that last game against the Rams, but Debo Samuel wasn't involved. And now we're going to see the full unveiling, I think, of what the offense can deliver and where it may go. And I don't think it's going to be anything crazy or what we don't, you know, what we don't expect. We know what to expect. Shanahan's going to have people going in every which direction and having everybody's head spinning and using, you know, Debo and, and McCaffrey as decoys and sometimes the main coys and just go and, go and play ball that way. But I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And I expect the 49ers to hit the ground running and kind of start showing that they're a Super Bowl caliber team from here on out. They just have to keep enough of their key players healthy and they will be arguably the most dangerous team in the, in the NFC. You know what, Chris, it just kind of occurred to me. Yeah. The 49ers are the NFC's version of the Ravens. That team that yes. you just can rely upon to show up and kick your ass. That's right. And you better be careful or they will. Yeah. And 10 years after, we saw the Ravens and the 49ers. It wouldn't the be Bowl. shocking. No, those are, those are the two teams that I, you know, again, I know we've talked about this a lot. We look at the Eagles and the Cowboys and the Vikings as top teams and the NFC. And we know the, you know, the AFC with the Bills and the Chiefs and all that. But yeah. Uh, those are probably enemy number one to upset that little formula there on each side is the Ravens and the Niners, at least in my opinion. Yeah, I think those are two teams. The, the Ravens have shown the ability to play at a very high level during the year. They've messed some things up, but their their ultimate high-end play, to me, when I see it, I go, damn, that's really good. That's, that's scary. And the same with the 49ers. And to your point, you're right. They both pride themselves on like, what? We're the, the ass kickers out here. We're, we're, we're the team that's going to punish you into oblivion. And there's something to respect about that. And it translates to playoff football like we see a lot of times too. We, we really have kind of stumbled our way into the best time of the year. Here we are halfway through the season, but we're two weeks exactly from Thanksgiving. And then we go into the Christmas season. And then once Christmas is over – the NFL regular season is coming to a crescendo. And then we get into the postseason where you've got all these teams that had reasons to feel really good about the season they had being pitted against each other. And someone's got to go home. All these great teams and all but two of them are going to get thrown to the wayside at some point in January. It's, it's an amazing couple of months that will be coming up. And it, it really gets started tonight. With the Atlanta Falcons and the Carolina. Other than tonight, it's a great couple of months that's coming. When we return, it's been a bad couple of months, couple of years, couple of decades for the Washington Commanders. And they found a way, congratulations, Dan Snyder, to reach another new low. We'll talk about that when PFT Live continues right after this. Yesterday, D.C. Attorney General Carl Racine made it known that A major announcement will be made today regarding the investigation of the Washington Commanders. That was a surprise for everyone. It messaged with a report from the Washington Post from October 17 that Racine was approaching the end of his investigation. We'll find out today. A lot of times, Chris, you get a major announcement and it falls flat. So we'll see how major this announcement is. But it got the attention of the Commanders. They issued a statement. And I'm not going to read the whole thing. But the first paragraph was... Completely. Okay, I will. Less than three months ago, a 23-year-old player on our team was shot multiple times in broad daylight, despite the out-of-control violent crime in D.C. Today, the Washington commanders learned for the first time on Twitter that the D.C. Attorney General will be holding a press conference to make a major announcement related to... 
the uh, organization tomorrow. The commanders have fully cooperated with the attorney general's investigation for nearly a year. As recently as Monday, a lawyer for the team met with the AG who did not suggest at that time that he intended to take any action and, in fact, revealed fundamental misunderstandings of the underlying facts. It's unfortunate that in his final days in office, Mr. Racine appears more interested in making splashy headlines based on offbeat legal theories rather than doing the hard work of making the streets safe for our citizens, including bringing justice to the people who shot one of our players. Look, it's never a good idea to antagonize a prosecutor, which is what the second paragraph does. But get the hell out of here and never come back with that first paragraph. Go away, Dan Snyder, and never return. You're done. You're gone. I don't know what the purpose of that was. I don't know who they're trying to get on their side. You know, usually that kind of stuff, Chris, is aimed at pandering to your base. Right. We see that in politics It's the all what the about. Time. It's the They'll what be, about mentality. Right, right. right. And, yeah. and it works if you have a base. Right. It only works if you have someone who will take it and say, right on. Yeah, you go. There's nobody that's going to say that. So he's going to piss off everyone other than his base that doesn't exist. It is the worst statement, the most tone deaf effort I've ever seen. And the blame ultimately goes to Daniel Snyder, unless and until we get a statement from Daniel Snyder saying that statement that was sent last night was completely wrong. It never should have happened. I take full responsibility, and I'm sorry. Until that happens, it's on him, and he needs to get up and get the hell out of here for good. <laughs> Man, I love it. I love it, Mike. Damn, that's about as like jacked up as I've seen you get in a while right there. I, I, I don't disagree with anything you said there. I mean, it's just... It's so shallow and cheap shot and bratty. It just, uh, it, 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 any box you want to throw out there, you could check it right there. Yeah, we've done issues. We've got problems. We did issues. How dare you look about it? What about this? There's a problem over here and yeah. you're not fixing that. That's, that's great. Yeah. They are fixing that. They made arrests last week, right? Am I wrong about that? They did. They right. made two arrests. No, they're, they're, they're making arrests. Now we got to get back to you and, you know, your crappy business dealings. I mean, that's what we got to do. And, and the, what, what the crappy argument, way. Though. What right. a great argument. There's plenty of other crime out there, so don't pay attention to mine. Yeah. I, I that's, that's what basically what he's saying. That's exactly it. But that's to your point earlier, that's kind of where we're at right now. It's, it's, it's with all, that's all arguments. Wait, how dare you call me out from the things I did wrong? I just, it's, it's craziness. It is. And it's just not a good look and it's insensitive and there's no reason to bring Brian Robinson back into this conversation or make him a part of this. And it's not apples to apples here. It's got nothing to do with it. And again, like the reports were out there and we knew this was coming. Why? Because the guy was in your in the building the other day and he wasn't going, hey, we're going to do something to you because he agreed that there might have been, oh, there's an issue here, an issue here. You thought you were going to get what? Like a, a soft landing here just because, you know, he admitted there was a falsity here or there. Well, he might have found the truth in like 70 other different spots, too. So what, what does all that mean? It's just it's a stupid statement, and it has to be, you know, approved by Dan Snyder. And especially what we saw the other night with his comment off of Jim Ursay and all that stuff, it would be hard for me to think this isn't approved by him. So, of course, this falls on him. Well, either it is approved by him, which is bad, 
or it isn't, which is worse. It's also bad. Because it shows he doesn't have any control over his organization. There's no good explanation here. Brian Robinson's agent, Ryan Williams, said this on Twitter. Up until an hour ago, the commanders handled the Brian Robinson situation with so much care, sincerity, and class. And I was so grateful for all of it. Although I know that there are some great humans in that building, whoever is hiding behind this statement is not one of them. Well, we know that Snyder is. All these statements are aimed at him. See, this isn't about catering to some non-existent Dan Snyder fan club. This is about the people who get paid by Snyder making him happy. How do we make the emperor happy? We have to be tough. He wants us to be tough. He wants us to go out there and fight. So the statement Really, the audience was Dan Snyder. He wants to see that these people he's paying this good money to are fighting on his behalf because no one else is. And it's just horribly tone deaf, horribly executed, an awful message, and all the more reason he cannot sell that team soon enough, Chris. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I don't disagree with, with really any of that, Mike. I mean, it's it's just – and, like, to, again, to – Right. If you are going to keep the organization and you do want to maybe build a stadium in D.C. again and revive the Washington Commanders tradition and all that, do you really think that's the way to go about it? Like that's going to make you friends in the area to be like, yeah, we'll buy it. We'll build a stadium for you. That That's where I just don't understand. Uh, I, I don't I don't get the logic there. And, and hey, I don't know. Hey, maybe he's come to the way. resign to the fact that he's selling this thing and then it doesn't matter anymore. Well, But Chris, Chris, even if he is, I mean, think about it. If you're trying to get top dollar for your house, you're not going to set the roof on fire. I mean, you want to preserve the asset. You want to make it as attractive as possible. You don't want to do even more damage that the new owner has to undo with local politicians and business leaders. I mean, we're assuming that a new owner is going to be greeted with open arms like Dorothy dropping a house on the Wicked Witch of the East. But... Yeah, the, the the worse you make it, it's just more stuff that the next owner is going to have to deal with. Now, there's one more wrinkle to this, too, because Jason Wright, the team's president, issued a statement that kind of retreated, kind of walked back, tried to put the toothpaste back in the tube, saying that he spoke to the police chief of the D.C. Metropolitan Police Department, conveying how much we support their work as well as public safety leaders and elected officials working to reduce gun violence and crime across the region. The earlier statement expressed our external counsel's ongoing frustration with the attorney general's office as they have been nothing but earnest and transparent in their communications with his team. The lawyer's legitimate frustrations with the AG should have been separate and apart from referencing the terrible crime that affected our player. I guess that's an apology without saying I'm sorry, but you know what, Chris, here's the other wrinkle, and somebody pointed this out to me today. I I can't say who, but I'm not going to take credit for the thought. It's not an original thought, and I wish it had been. There's no way in hell Jason Wright didn't see that statement. And again, if he didn't, something's wrong. If the team president didn't see that statement, something's wrong. Chances are he did see it, and he didn't say, we can't send this out. I I don't know if I believe that. I don't know if I'm going to buy that. You know, again, you think he didn't see it? I don't. I wouldn't be shocked that Daniel Snyder just—he's uh, running the then team. Then why is he the president of the and, team? Then well, it's a meaningless title. He's well, not the president. Yeah, I, I, with stuff like this, I hear you. But I, I mean, this is one—I wouldn't be shocked if Daniel Snyder just releases that and period, and there's nothing there. 
I I I I wouldn't be shocked by that. I mean, again, this, this there's no. It reminds me of the Colts. Jason Wright should just get up and leave. And again, it's easy to say that when you're not the one who has to pay his mortgage. But just like those Colts assistant coaches, that way it's just like you know, if you if you're not if you're not going to run this by me, if you're going to give me the title of team president, and this is just some sort of a of a gesture, it's not real. If I'm really not the president of the team, and you're going to run this stuff around me, and I'm not going to see it. Sorry, find another president. Find somebody else that you're going to give a meaningless title to. Yeah, I, I, I know. But, you know, as we talk about, too, with this, there's only so many of these jobs, and there's only so many of these jobs that pay that kind of money. And that's where, you know, I feel for guys like Jason Wright, where, yeah, you, you take the job. You're never mad at the guy for taking the job. We get it. It's a tough situation. As you said, I mean, it's, it's the most dysfunctional team in sports. So for me to sit here and think that maybe Daniel Snyder didn't, you know, run by the releasing of a statement about something that he feels personally attacked about through Jason Wright, if you told me that didn't happen, I, w- I wouldn't be shocked. I have no knowledge of that, but I would not be shocked, right? I mean, I, could I see that statement being released? Jason Wright looking at it going, what the hell are we doing? Miss, you know, Mr. Snyder, this is an issue. We can't say this and do this. This is not a good look for our organization. And then them going, well, then fine. You put out a statement. I mean, could I see those things happen? Of course yeah. I could. Of course. I, there's too many stories. I mean, this is Daniel Snyder. It's the guy who, you know, trades for Donovan McNabb without asking coaches or trades draft picks to, to get the number two pick to get RG3. Does whatever he wants. He doesn't care. So that's where, you know, I could see anything happening in this situation. It's also possible that Jason Wright did see the statement and his reaction to it was based on the fact that there was such a strong outcry against it. So they had to. That's right, too. Right. Right. And again, why isn't it in Snyder's name? Why is Wright the one that's got to 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 be the messenger with the kind of sort of apology? Why isn't the person who owns the team the one saying we shouldn't have made reference to Brian Robinson? You know, they didn't even use his name. It's just weird. The whole thing about it was weird. It's depressing. It's sad and predictable. Chris, you're right. All this stuff just fits with what a mess that organization has been. And as I said earlier, he cannot sell the team soon enough. Please, Jeff Bezos, you're our only hope. <laughs> Please write the check. I mean, come on, you got 120 billion. It's a good investment. Give the guy seven billion to go away, and we're gonna we're gonna hope we're gonna hope that that you're not as bad as him. Although Bezos has been in the public eye long enough that if he was, we'd know it by now. Yeah, I think that's true too. I, I don't know. It, by all due accounts, it seems like we're going that direction. At least the direction of Daniel Snyder is gonna sell this thing eventually, uh, and I think it'll be good for him and probably good for the NFL altogether. You'll finally get a chance to smoke a little something with uh, Matthew McConaughey when he's <laughs> part owner. Make me a part owner of the Commanders. I'll bring you some of my secret stash. That'll be my contribution to the ownership. I just, I got a, I got a feeling Matthew McConaughey's got, he's got his own stash. stash. He's okay. Yours to shame. That's right. I know. I just That's right. Considering there was only reports of like a pile of it on a table, why he was dancing naked with bongos, and when I was in school, so. <laughs> <laughs> I would, I would Take a break. (laughs) That's a hell of an image. Uh, Enjoy your breakfast in case you missed it from week nine. Coming up next on PFT Live.
Yeah, it's definitely going to be fun. First time I ever get to play against him. Um, just funny how things work out. We both you know, made it to the stage in our career that you know, we aimed for when we was younger. So just got to take advantage of it. Uh, it's a fun time for my family. Um, but you know, it's something that I'm going to remember forever, both of us. So just taking it all in and you know, a lot of emotion Sunday. Every day. <laughs> every day. Every day. I'll talk to him after this. Just call him just to mess with him. See what's here that. <laughs> Vikings running back Dalvin Cook facing his brother James Cook, rookie with the Bills. And uh, first time they're ever on opposite sidelines as the Vikings take on Buffalo. Plenty of storylines in that game as well. Storylines to watch. Matchups for week 10. Chris, you're up first. Well, I, I'm going to go to the, the, the coach homecoming uh, that I'm most excited about. You know, the big game on, on Sunday afternoon, the Cowboys-Packers, even though the, the Packers are not what we thought they were going to be. I mean, Mike McCarthy versus the Green Bay Packers, that, that's, I'm interested in that story, certainly. First time going back to Green Bay, he was a Super Bowl winning head coach. Man, on the way out the door, there was a lot of stories about dysfunction and, you know, him and Rodgers, did they get along? And here it is, McCarthy and the Cowboys are thriving and continue to get better. And Rodgers and, and company are, are, you know, going down the drain here as we watch slowly. So uh, I am excited to see that, let alone it's McCarthy and that defense versus a struggling Aaron Rodgers in that offense too, which I mean, I'm sure he wouldn't, he won't shed a tear if his defense picks off Rodgers a few times and hits him and makes life miserable. So I'm excited to see that. Just occurred to me if the Packers finish seven and 10 or worse, they will have lost as many games this year as they did in Matt LaFleur's three prior regular seasons combined. He's got 10 in three prior seasons. He could have 10 or more this year. I'm going to look at a game that's going to be happening at the same time that not many people are going to be watching. It's not going to be broadcast nationally. It's a 4.05 Eastern start, but it's the Colts at the Raiders. Yeah. Jeff Saturday versus Josh McDaniels, the guy who jilted the Colts versus the guy who came out of nowhere to take over the Colts. And, hey, this may be exactly what McDaniels needs because he's a guy that the buzzards were kind of circling around. And what's going to happen with him? Is he going to survive the season? Long meetings with Mark Davis after every game, losing in ugly fashion. They need this one badly. If he loses to Jeff Saturday on Sunday, Chris, there may not be a Monday for Josh McDaniels. I, I hear you there. That would scare me, too. And that probably would have been my next pick, too. For two teams that aren't very good, that is kind of like, you know, with the, the, the history of McDaniels with the Colts and then what's going on right now and all that. Yeah, uh, it, it's, it, you gotta tu- we got to tune in and make sure we keep an eye on that just for, yeah, how the game unfolds and the process and what, you know, Jeff Saturday looks like managing some situations. I mean, that to me is, you know, going to be, be worth the watch just there in itself. So I'm with you there. It's a good pick. Um, I think the next one I'm going to go to is Russell Wilson versus this hot Titans defense, right? The Titans, I just feel like, don't look at what their yards per game are or what they are ranked. They don't let you score points very easily. And their defense, it's 
you take last four weeks as compared to early in the year, you know, where they've struggled and they had some injuries. And I think their defense, Mike, they are one of those teams that they have so many rules and so many things they do. They mess some things up early in the year, but man, they got it going. It was an onslaught of different coverages, creativity and stuff against the Kansas city chiefs last week. And now you got a Russell Wilson, Okay, yeah, they had a bye week. Did it get any better? And you got to deal with this group who they just rush for. They don't really ever blitz. And you got to try to pick apart this defense and what they do. Ooh, wow. So I want to see Russell Wilson versus this group and see if he's improved in this offensive, if it's improved at all here over the bye week. I got another coaching matchup that wasn't obvious. And I said during the break, a lot of times you just scroll through the slate of games and the, the intriguing matchups jump off the page. This one required a little thought from me. Yeah. Doug Peterson and Andy Reid. Whoa. The former the former yeah. Andy Reid lieutenant bringing right. the Jaguars in, coming off of a win over the Raiders, trying to turn around their season. The Chiefs a little underwhelming in their come-from-behind victory over the Titans, although the Titans are pretty good. Uh, you know, there are a couple of guys who know each other well, and I give Andy Reid the edge. He knows Doug Peterson pretty well. And uh, again, it's, it's look, I don't expect the Jaguars to win the game. I'm just intrigued by the fact that it's head coach and one of his former lieutenants who yeah. has done pretty well for himself, won a Super Bowl uh, elsewhere in Philadelphia. Let's take a break. We'll do round three of the Week 10 matchup draft right after this. One more round to go. The Week 10 matchup draft. Chris, you're on the clock, and the uh, clock is ticking. All right. Tick, 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 tick. I am going to go with our game on Sunday night, which I'm really excited about. I mean, the Chargers at the 49ers. Stinks we won't see the Bosa brothers, right? You know? Uh, or at least I don't think Joey's going to play, right? I, maybe there's some I talk. I don't think so. I don't think so either, injury. right? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, so I don't expect that. But the, the big thing for me is Shanahan versus Staley here in this one. Uh, we discussed a little earlier in the show. Debo's back. We haven't seen Christian McCaffrey with Debo unveiled yet and what they can do there. We saw what they can do with Christian McCaffrey and how special that was. Well, they got that and then a Chargers defense that it can't stop the run. I mean, they can't stop the run and you got to deal with you know some things that you haven't seen before and a team that's healthy off a of bye week. So I'm excited to see what Staley does to compound that and how he tries to you know slow down this attack of the, of the 49ers. That that's one I'm I'm intrigued by on Sunday night. I am going to assume that Josh Allen will not play on Sunday, which makes Case Keenum slash Stephon Diggs versus the Vikings my final pick. The bizarro Minneapolis miracle game. It really is amazing to think that the two guys on both ends of one of the most memorable plays in NFL history could be going against the Vikings with the same team again. It all presumes that Allen won't play, but I, I listen to Vegas, Chris. That move, that line moves from nine and a half to three and a half. That tells me Josh Allen isn't playing, and it's going to be Case and Stephon versus the Vikings. And even though the coaching staff has changed, there's still some guys on that defense that know Case Keenum and Stephon Diggs very well from practice. Yeah, well, you know, I'm, I'm interested even too of just you know the 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 Kirk Cousins aspect of this. You know, by all due accounts, it seems like Stefan Diggs wanted out of there and didn't want to deal with that, and he wanted to go with Josh Allen. And then Kirk Cousins, by all by all due you know accounts here, is you know he's pretty happy with Justin Jefferson. He certainly shouldn't be disappointed. He can make a case that he maybe upgraded, even though both are awesome for sure. So that makes it interesting too, Mike. 
And Cousins said something like that, and I would be very careful because you give Stephon Diggs extra motivation. It kind of slips into that alter ego, and you don't want to mess with him. It should be a great game. Thanks for some of your time. Have a great day. See ya.